This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Massa. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. And this week, we caught up with Stuart Butterfield. He's the chairman CEO of Slack, well-known to lots of folks, especially in this age of working from home. We're figuring out new and different ways to work together remotely to collaborate using technology. We're doing well, I would say, overall. I mean, so there's a couple of things, the threads to separate here. Um, demand on the business is great um, and it's you know it's very encouraging and it's energizing and kind of um, certainly in the first couple of weeks uh, of March was like a big shot of adrenaline for the team. On the other hand, um, we have a lot of customers, you know, more or less every country in the world. There's 110,000 of them. Some of them are, are really struggling, and I think also when you look at um, employees. It, it can be difficult to to make this transition. Not so much yeah. the distributed work or working from home or remote work stuff, um, but the uncertainty, you know, the the fear about the economic impact, the health impacts, um, and also just the practical reality of being um, suddenly the the primary caretaker through the day and the teacher of your three year old and five year old if you have young kids at home. Um, right. So it's just it's kind of all of the above. It's everything all at once. Yeah, it's interesting, Stuart. I mean, so much of this, and and this is dealt with in the story, and I know you've talked about this a little bit. I mean, some of what we are doing now, in many ways, you guys anticipated, like in terms of how we need to communicate, what's natural in in terms of communication, and, and yet still, I feel like we're all being tested and you know, both as humans and, and the technology that we use to, to their to their very limits. What has surprised you in, in terms of sort of synthesizing or, or maybe bringing those two thread to get, threads together about our human yeah, behavior so, and technology? Um, those are exactly the two threads. And what's really been interesting is um, you know, we wrote in our, our S1, the document you file on your path to becoming public, about the, the kind of the reason we thought we existed and our, our role in the world. And that was really to help organizations achieve a greater degree of agility because in the, you know, we didn't have a global pandemic in mind when we wrote this, but we were talking about just the um, ever quickening pace of technological change and the changes that has um, consumer behavior, which can tra- cause uh, changes in competitive behavior, which can cause macroeconomic changes. And the common challenge to all organizations is the ability to kind of maintain alignment in the face of changing conditions and to be responsive enough. So this is, you know, again, not the, the example that we had in mind, but it's a great sure. illustration of that. And um, I, I kind of, it's not funny, I guess, but it's, it's really interesting to me to think back over the last 25 years and how many large organizations had um, set up with consultants or had their internal strategy teams come up with, you know, here's our plan for telecommuting or here's what a world of work from home would look like you know, maybe every 18 months or every couple of years over the last 25 years. And if, it, if you looked at those plans, they would say, uh, we know, it would be an 18-month period of pre-planning and a multiple-year rollout. And no one, if they were asked three months ago, um, would have said, yeah, we can we can transition our 50,000-person company to be working from home right. for a week. Right. Um, but when something is absolutely required, what what had appeared to be impossible is suddenly possible. And I think what's really interesting about that is uh, I think it'll cause some second order and third order and even fourth order effects of questioning um, 
the assumptions that people had about what else was possible, what else was limiting their, their organization. Um, and particularly for those um, companies or organizations that had been more resistant to digital transformation generally, right. this is a demonstration that, A, they can do it, um, and, you know, B, uh, there, there's real benefits. I mean, in this case, the benefit is survival. Right. Um, but, but there's other opportunities that I bet we can discover if we are, are have a little bit more um, of an open-minded approach to this stuff. Well, because, Stuart, and, and it's interesting to hear you say that because part of what I think we're adjusting to is this notion of you can sort of do anything for a week or two. But, you know, for me, I'm on week six at this point, mm-hmm. and you can't sort of like fake it or kind of do, put, pull it all together with like chicken wire and duct tape. Once you're into week six, like you sort of got to figure it out because you got to run an organization, which I guess leads me to my next question. We only got about a minute left, and then we're going to continue the conversation in a few minutes. But like, what sticks here? You know, in, in terms of our our behavior and our expectation. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and um, in, in some respects, too soon to say. I, I yeah. think. Um, in other respects, though, um, I think that you know, an open mindedness and uh, it increased. Not reliance on, but uh, increased uh, willingness to take advantage of software solutions. And of course, you know, I'm CEO of a software company, so I right. expect me to say that. <laughs> but you know, but what I mean is, software and technology generally have automated away those things that are most amenable to automation, which tend to be those things which are most repetitive, kind of mind-numbing, um, or areas where computers are just plainly better than people. Computers are better at remembering stuff; they're better at doing arithmetic very quickly. Um, and that frees up humans to do those things which humans are uniquely well qualified to do, yeah. things that require intelligence and, and creativity. And so um, while there's always some resistance to, to change, uh, in the backdrop of this kind of incredible, global, unprecedented change, um, the CEOs I've been talking to suddenly realize, well, geez, that, that reorg that I had been planning for the last six months, but I was apprehensive about implementing, maybe now's a good time. You know, maybe yeah. now's a good time to, to make some of the changes that would have seemed more difficult in normal right. times and suddenly seem easy by comparison. Right. Well, we're here with uh, Stuart Butterfield, co-founder, chief executive officer of Slack, on the phone from San Francisco. So, Stuart, one thing I, I was curious about, because, you know, we heard from Netflix last night, and we know they've had a jump in demand with everybody streaming. You guys, I'd love to get an idea of, of how how many more people are on your platform and the kind of growth you've seen. And I know from what I understand from reading, your retention rate tends to be well over 90%. I'm curious how much of that you expect to stay with you on the other side of the virus. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to be a little bit careful because we're in our quiet period leading up to, to earnings. Oh, we sorry. We have made yeah. some public statements. Oh, no, no problem. We have made some public statements there. Um, and, you know, one of the things we, we saw was a huge increase in net new customers. So uh, as of last report, we had um, 110,000 customers around the world. Obviously, there's, you know, 500 in the Fortune 500. So at least 109,500 of these are, are not Fortune 500 companies. They're, they're small businesses. Right. Um, and we saw a surge in, in Japan and South Korea earlier, uh, followed by Italy and then um, the rest of Western Europe. Um, and then the U.S., so obviously kind of coincident with the spread yeah. of the, the virus and the spread of concerns around it. We also saw an enormous increase in utilization among our existing users, so um, around 20% or maybe 25% increase in messages sent per user per day. We saw expansion among existing customers. But, you know, looking a little bit more forward, we, we try to be really pragmatic. Uh, we had to do our earnings on uh, March 
11th, I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, maybe March 12th. It was, it was the, the day, the, you know, the kind of the morning after the Tom Hanks NBA Trump travel ban, kind of, that kind of moment that really... Yeah. Um, that perfect storm where everybody realized, oh boy, this is happening. This is real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and the numbers were so small then. I think feel like we were we were so naive, but it, it did shift the psychology pretty dramatically. And we're still we're still concerned long run about um, the the macro impact here and what that's going to mean. And some some of them are easy to tell. The travel and hospitality obviously is, is very severely impacted. But um, if, you know, if for many people, being out of work for two weeks might not be that big of a challenge. Um, being out of work for two months or longer can be a really significant challenge. And now we're talking about tens of millions of people. So we, we don't want to, you know, certainly it seems a little ghoulish to be excited about the, the business prospects in the overall environment. We also want to temper the enthusiasm there um, right. just because of the uncertainty about what we're going to see in the, in the back half of the year. Well, so, and that, that certainly echoes what, what we heard from Netflix, too, Carol. You know, Jason and I talked with Meg Whitman um, on the launch of Quibi, and, you know, she said to us, here she is, she's worked at, ho- worked at the office for like 40-plus years, and, and she's like, I'm working at home and I'm getting stuff done. And she, it, you know, made her maybe rethink about this whole idea of working from home. Has the notion of a workplace changed forever in your view? I think so. It's a little too early to tell again, Um but it, I don't know how it's changed. You know, it's definitely the conversation that we're having, because we had something around 5% of our employees work from the home uh, before this started. But that's a very different setup. You know, that means people had a home office set up. They had a good internet connection. They had childcare. When they felt like taking a break, they could, do, you know, walk down to their local cafe and sit outside on the sidewalk and enjoy a coffee or something. This is very different. You can't get a haircut and, and um childcare challenges, being locked up, and, and all the anxiety. So it's a little bit hard to know what happens when we're on the other side of those things. But it is, um, you know, for our customer success team, they work with customers after the, the sale is done to kind of ensure the implementation is smooth and work on change management. They're more effective than before. I mean, first of all, because customers are really paying attention because this is, you know, obviously important. Um, but also because you, you cut out, you know, 16 hours of travel on either side of, right. of the engagement. Right. Yeah, like, I think about, I think about a couple of TVs. I'm actually on uh, Emily's show immediately after this, so stay tuned if you're in range of a TV. But, um, you know, a lot of those, if I'm in our New York office, it's a 45-minute schlep uptown and then yeah. waiting around. Yeah. And it's like hours and hours of overhead. Uh, now it's just like, boom. Um, you can knock them up. And, and I get great uh, great meetings with executives at other companies on, on short notice. So there's there's some real advantages here. And I, I think we'll... I mean, we at Slack, the company, but I think the people broadly will be opportunistic about what we retain here um, and what we want to bring back about the old culture. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and uh, only got about a minute left here, Stuart, and we know you've got to get on to your next engagement, which is, of course, as you said, with our uh, our colleague Emily Chang. So tune into Bloomberg Technology, as as you mentioned. But I do wonder, as you've sort of stress tested the the product through all this. What have you learned that you may implement sooner than maybe you anticipated in, ter- in terms of new products or features? Or what have you learned about maybe customers' behavior? Only got about a minute. Yeah. Um, so we've been seeing a lot of uh, demand for everything. And that deeper integration is on the top of the side. And that's something that we've been very engaged in and very successful in so far. You know, one thing that I've been personally thinking about um, quite a bit is like easier uh, and, and simpler forms of uh, video communications. So not yeah. video calls per se, 
um, but more asynchronous video. You're seeing a lot of interesting startups doing stuff in, in those spaces. Uh, we're, we're excited about what we see there. But making it easier for people to kind of record short clips, um, because I want to be conscious of time, I'll leave it there. And that was Stuart Butterfield, the chairman and CEO of Slack, and really interesting to catch up with him. Silicon Valley, it's been a place we keep going back to, Carol, right, right. to understand how they are assessing all of this and how technology may help us. And interestingly, at a time, or coming off of a time, I should say, where people were a little skeptical about tech, now we're all embracing it. Right. We've been talking a lot about how innovation often comes out of crisis, and we're seeing a lot of those tech companies, you know, formerly competitors, now coordinating and working together, collaborating uh, to help figure out solutions for this crisis. All right. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Masser. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.